This is Joshua Holt with the City and the Sound Podcast. This is episode four. Today's episode, we're going to be interviewing a friend of mine, Michael Messina, better known by his identity, Lem Maria. So before we get started with today's episode and talk about the details and stuff about Mike's life and his new album coming out called The Hotbed, I want you to open your ears, expand your mind, and listen to this. This is Michael Messina, also known as La Mamaria. Yeah, what's going on? How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm here uh, in my little studio, uh, and I'm tucked away and dry on this rainy day. Nice. You guys didn't get any like any get any too bad weather. I'm guessing this you know last couple of days. Uh, I went out to get um, some medicine for my wife uh, uh, earlier today, and then I think the rain sensed when i was leaving and started raining uh more but <laughs> <laughs> no no and a little rain never hurt no one so yeah there's like there's about to like be another tropical storm coming like uh next weekend or so so it'll just be continuing yeah yeah i've been doing a lot of uh gardening i guess during the pandemic to uh kind of like find like a new hobby yeah i also got really jacked off of like ron finley's um like gardening ph- philosophy which is What's- like Go plant some shit. <laughs> Go plant some shit. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And so, if you watch his TED talk, you'll just like you'll just. I, I literally watched his TED talk, and I went outside without a shirt, and I just started digging a hole in the ground. And in fact, my neighbor Ed uh, Parky's like, "Hey, uh, what you doing?" I was, I'm digging a hole. Uh, but where my garden eventually ended up. Yeah. But yeah. Um, no, all this rain's good for, for, for me. Less water, I save money. Nice, nice. So I know, um, I was talking to you a little bit, so I knew you originally grew up in California, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I lived there 13 years uh, and moved to Alabama. 2003, it would have been. Do you think like growing up in California has any kind of impact or like influence on the music you kind of make currently? Yeah, I mean, I think growing up there, I grew up, uh in uh all my family's from ventura county mm-hmm. uh so that's the county uh directly above uh, los angeles county yeah it was southern california and uh i uh i i lived in uh 
some of my first memories, my mom went to school at uh, UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And so I have uh, uh, some memories uh, there. And so, but I think just growing up there, it's kind of, uh, I mean, I spent my, some of my formative years there, you know, childhood, early childhood. So yeah, it, uh, that, and then once you, you know, at least, I don't know if it was a defensive mechanism at first, you know, when I first moved to Alabama, but you, you sort of lionized the, your, or at least I did sort of California. So I'd go back there every summer and really kind of just try to like imbibe myself in sort of the vibe of there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, it, uh, it's a part of me. And I, th- I think it, uh, I think it, it kind of ekes out. It's not, it's not really a conscious decision. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, I got a little notification. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, dude. Uh, no, uh, yeah. I click that X button, man. <laughs> yeah, my computer, uh, my wife uses it for work, so, uh, there we go. I just want to make it bigger. Okay, uh, what was I saying? No, it sort of ekes out of you. It's not, it's not really a conscious decision. Like, I'm going to make a song that sounds like the West Coast. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can do that. Um, and I have, like, tricks to do that. It's, it's, uh. You know, uh, but it, it, it just something it's more natural, I think. Um uh I I listened to your your podcast with Sways. Yeah, uh, he's talking about his growing up in Southern California as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just it's it's a pretty natural thing. I think everybody kind of has that maybe from where they're from, especially I think musicians, but uh our old wager musicians tend to have uh, a regionality in their in their DNA. Yeah, so uh, you, at least where they cut their teeth. Because mm-hmm. I feel I still feel southern. What? So, what's some of the music I guess you um, kind of listened to while you were growing up, like as a kid? Um, I it uh, let's see. Like, I mean, uh, my parents. I I mean, were my first big um, sort of entry points into music. You know, because you're getting dropped off at school. Yeah. Or and uh, and so they're they're sort of playing whatever they play in the car, and uh, and you just kind of hum along. So like a lot of the first early stuff, I think I was just exposed to. Um, uh, I rediscovered in my teenage years, and I was like, oh, I really like some of this stuff. You know, uh, this isn't just like uh, what my parents listened to. Yeah, and uh, but some of those bands would have been uh, like the Clash and uh, oh, those bands so good. Yeah, so so I've I've kind of been listening to them since I, I like before I could walk, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Tom Waits is a big one; he's probably the the biggest. Uh, um, uh, but I would I'd listen to him in the car, and uh, uh, one that I didn't listen to as much, but that was a my mom was a huge uh, Grateful Dead fan. Yeah. So, uh, um, in fact, when when I one of my first memories was actually. Um, uh, being at Jerry Garcia's uh, public funeral that they, they did oh. in Golden State Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I just remember being uh, hot and, and uh, bored. I'm just sitting, <laughs> on blanket, sitting on a blanket all day. Uh, so I don't remember anything meaningful, but uh, I was there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, um, but um, yeah, but just speaking to the Grateful Dead, yeah, my mom listened to him. I think, gave birth 
not not to me but i think it was one of my brothers uh so she and she was a huge dead fan and uh and uh it's funny that i kind of uh i didn't rediscover them uh probably until my late 20s um and uh and really like got into the dead uh and I realized that i had kind of had been swimming around you know in, in my subconscious because my mom listened to him so much yeah you can always be like, you're a real dead fan. Like, I went to Jerry Garcia's funeral. <laughs> you yeah. other people didn't. I was there. Where were you, man? <laughs> you weren't at the funeral. Yeah. No. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, just like, and then my dad, because uh, he, uh, he would pick me up on the weekends. And, you know, so I would go, I would go stay with him on the weekends. And so the car ride um, uh, where we end up living for most of my childhood was in Goleta, California, which mm -hmm. is, is sort of a college town for UCSB where my mom was going to school. And, uh, and so it was like a 30, uh, it could be long, it could be like 90 minutes, depending on traffic or worse, depending on when my dad, that's sort of like how you tell time in California. Like you don't, you don't say, oh, that's three hours away. Um, like you don't do it by distance, you do it by hours. How many hours so, are going to be from me? Yeah. yeah, like depending on the time of day, like, oh, you're, you're about to get your, you know, yeah, ruined. Yeah, pushed in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <you're, laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, so we would, those, those, those um, coastal car rides, um, he, he would always put it on uh, the, mainly the classic rock stations. And so a lot of uh, Zeppelin and uh, Tom Petty and um, uh, just like pretty much just like the milieu of sort of classic rock. Um, but uh, my dad was a big Zeppelin fan. He said he knew, he knew every word. He was, he was a, a big stoner. And, uh, and I'd be like, so, hey, dad. Because, like, you know, I started listening to Zeppelin more and getting into deep cuts. And I was like, dad, you know Tangerine? And he goes, wow. oh, 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 oh. And he just like, he <laughs> kind of dust off his brain and he starts rattling uh, uh, the lyrics to Tangerine. I was like, dang. <laughs> he really was a, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, so, um, those car rides, you know, um, uh, some, I, I almost, sometimes I can listen to like certain classic rock songs and like visualize the coast, yeah. you know, it's a pretty drive. You drive up on the one-on-one. Nice. So what was the kind of, what was the kind of impetus that you guys moved to Alabama? Uh, my mom got a job. She, um, I guess, uh, like has was going to school like essentially like most of my life she um i was probably like two or three and uh sort of essentially left uh, i guess the the avenue um mm -hmm. which is the the uh the sort of mexican part of town in ventura county uh uh but uh she we were there for a couple years and then she ended up going to school and so uh anyway i think she uh, finished her she got got a phd and so uh she, she kind of went where the job took her and uh i think it was either going to be somewhere in texas i think outside of houston or in houston uh somewhere in arkansas and then uh uh, uh montevallo the, the university of montevallo and uh so she ended up getting a job there and uh we moved to alabama and uh i uh lived in hoover for a year yeah and then uh, we ended up just moving into montevallo and so i think you know my teenage years and sort of my my formative years is like actually like learning and and, and wanting to play music uh happened in alabama so that was uh you know uh 
2004, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, I started college, so high school. Yeah, you know, I was in high school, 2004, um, uh, and we lived in Montevallo, Alabama, which is a is kind of the middle of nowhere. If it wasn't for, uh, well, I mean, it's it's a beautiful place, uh, yeah. but it's uh, it's off the beaten path. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not uh, it's not accessible by immediately by getting off the interstate. Uh, so you got you have to drive into the the woods twenty minutes and uh, yeah it was a small town so I think a big part of how I feel as a musician is like is more like like southern than I would say like I don't think of myself like as like a West Coast musician or anything like that yeah I think at all at all I mean I I would lug my bass amp and uh, my bass guitar uh, <laughs> across Main Street to this little shack and. Uh, practice like uh in this alleyway um in the heat mm-hmm. uh in the swelt of the summer no ac and uh that that's how i learned how to play music was uh was sort of just sweating in a, in a garage somewhere just melting like a stick of butter <laughs> so what was the first instrument you picked up was it a bass you said yeah yeah um i i, I mean all my friends that played music played guitar and so I remember my dad was like, yeah, I was in, I was in a band, man, you know? And, uh, and he's like, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and he's like, yeah, I still got my bass. And, and, and I just assumed that he had like an electric bass in storage that I just never saw. Yeah. And, uh, Cause I knew he had this little bass at his house. And uh, so I was like, dad, you got to send me, uh, you got to send me your bass. And so the the first instrument I really learned how to play on was an ovation, uh, acoustic electric bass guitar, <laughs> uh, short scale. And, uh, uh, and that's what I, I started playing. And then eventually I got like a, some sort of like eBay, you, you know, um, real cheap, you know, yeah. electric bass. And, uh, and then I guess mo- a lot of the people I played with, you know, eventually like uh, I, I wanted to, I guess like, not just jam out, but I, I think uh, even when I was in high school, I wanted to like try to make songs. Uh, I don't know, you know, um, you just wanted to do more and it's kind of hard to do that on just having a bass guitar. So I would steal my brother's guitar, his acoustic, yeah. and, 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 and surreptitiously learn how to play until eventually um, uh, after, you know, a, a couple of licks uh, too many, I was like, I need to get my own guitar. And uh, I got uh, <laughs> I got a Squire Telly and, uh, and, uh, and I still have that guitar. That's, 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 uh, I use it on the record that we made uh, a decent amount. So I've had that guitar since I was, uh, 15, I think. Yeah. So like, was there any, I just kind of grew up in the Montevallo community. Was there any like local bands that kind of added to the sound you were starting to develop? Um, yeah, I, um, the first show I ever went to, um, I was 15 and my mom, I guess maybe to preface this, um, she was, a uh, um, she worked in the art department. Yeah. So, uh, I was sort of, uh, I guess, um, you know, I would, uh, I, I would get into screen printing and stuff like that. So I, I guess I, I sort of, uh, you know, uh, and thought I was older than I was, you know, and so, you know, try to hang out with, with the cool art kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I somehow caught, caught wind that there was going to be this show there's it was really i mean it was down the street from my house it was like an l you know (laughs) you know like a my house on one one end and the house on the other end so you know i just sort of 
it wasn't like I couldn't hear it. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the first show I ever went to, yeah, um, who played? Uh, Henry Dunkel opened, uh, uh, he still plays uh, around, I don't know if he plays as much, but uh, he played an acoustic set. Um, then there was a band um, called the Virgin Splits, mm-hmm. and they were a two-piece, kind of like uh, the Oblivions. Um, and uh, man, oh, it was wild. Uh, it blew my mind. Uh, I think the drummer uh, split his head open with a cymbal. <laughs> was covered in blood and i was like 15 like sneaking into like this clearly college party and i'm clearly not passable as 18 you know just looking real fresh (laughs) and (laughs) but man they let they they were all cool i wasn't like they because they all like probably knew my mom yeah and uh, and, uh, no one was gonna give me a beer or nothing um and uh and then a, a band, what was it, a hip-hop duo? Uh, oh, I can't remember their name, but they were cool too. Uh, Mad Happy. Um, they're from Florida. I don't know if they play anymore. But uh, yeah, and it blew my mind. I was like, oh, I got I to gotta start a band. I think, you know, and uh, uh, another band called Zenith Pulse. Um, I saw and I was like, oh, man, okay, I want to, I, I really want to start a band. Um, so those were probably the local bands that I saw. Um, I... Uh, I remember sneaking into a Nowhere Square show. They played with the version splits on a, a bar called uh, Double Play. Um, if you go to Montevallo, it's, um, you know what? Uh, the, the, there's that movie called uh, The Devil something, uh, Sparkle Vampire. Uh, oh, The Devil All the Time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah The Devil All the Time. Uh, thank you for picking up on cues, man. Uh, <laughs> Sparkle Vampire is like, all right, Rob Patterson. Yeah, there you go. I like him. He's great. Uh, He's good, that movie, yeah. But uh, I just, like, my brother, is, like, that's how he identifies him, so it's just sort of kind of sticks in his head. But um, they, uh, there was a scene in that movie they, they shot um, in the bar that I snuck into. Huh. Yeah. Um, that they, they, uh, anyway, just you can go to this place to this day. It's just not a bar. But, um, but I snuck in, uh, and I snuck in when they were loading in, so it was like 5.36 p.m., you know? Yeah. So it would start till 8 or 9 or something like that, probably at least 9.30. Um, and so I just waited. I just waited with the equipment for like four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I think I saw the Virgin Splits play again. Um, I, I, maybe not, honestly. I think uh, the Nowhere Square. No, I definitely saw like half a song of the Nowhere Squares. And then um, it's a small town, so mind you. Um, so the bouncer, like, knew me and knew I was yeah and so he just looked at me was disappointed you gotta fuck <laughs> <it up. laughs> yeah, so I saw half of the nowhere squares uh one night um uh but they were a, they're a Birmingham band uh I, I don't they don't really play anymore um as much well who's playing right now uh but uh, <laughs> uh um yeah so uh, I saw some of the Birmingham bands that would come down to Montevallo I never had a car in high school my my buddies didn't I I I did go to like one cave nine show, but, uh, you know, um, it was a, it was kind of a big deal to drive to Birmingham, you know, uh, when I was in high school, uh, at least for my friends. Yeah. So I didn't really go to shows other than the ones that were around in a small town, which was, um, you know, uh, it was, there were more shows, I think when I played there than maybe now. Um, but, uh, 
you know, there always was a heyday. There was a, a place called uh, Barnstormers in Montevallo and like uh, uh, Macy's Playground and uh, a bunch of well-known acts played at, at Barnstormers, which is this pizza joint in Montevallo. Um, that was after my time uh, or before my time. But, uh, but so, it, 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 you know, you, you saw stuff and there was a scene when I was in college. So I think one of my buddies saw St. Paul and the Broken Bones play. And he yeah. was like, oh, man, we should play a show with them. And then, like, three seconds later, they just blew up. Blew up. up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and same thing. Uh, I, uh, the guy who would get his shows, uh, Brooke uh, Skates, uh, he, uh, he would get us shows. He got us uh, – we ended up running sound because we had a PA. Because uh, when, we, when we played shows, bars didn't have yeah. PAs. And so they were like, I mean, yeah, you can play, but – you're gonna bring your own stuff. You're bring everything. So we get live <laughs> and set everything up because you know we didn't know what we were doing. Um, uh, uh, I know we didn't rub the sound for Ruben Studdard. Uh, <laughs> that is that's that's a deep cut right there. <laughs> at, at a five k right outside of Batwell Auditorium. Uh, anyway, but uh, Brooke was like, "You got to see this band, man." Called uh, I think they were. I'm actually wearing the shirt because I it, it um, I can fit into it. But uh, <laughs> the shakes. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, so I remember not having a car, but knowing that they were playing at uh, Egan's and uh, Tuscaloosa, stuff like that. But uh, um, I, I'm rambling now uh, just because I'm sort of having a nostalgia trip. It's kind of all coming back. I haven't back. thought about that stuff in a while, yeah. So I was really think it's kind of cool with the music you kind of talked about and the kind of influences. And I really think it kind of shows um, on the album you made of those kind of variety of influences. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I think that especially like um, the clash, I mean, I, I, they're sort of like part of, probably, probably in my DNA, you know what yeah. I mean? Just listening to them and especially even being an angsty teenager during the Bush years. Um, I think, you know, identified with sort of um, like a middle finger to authority and um, you know, a lot of the, um, uh, sort of just having a political stance, you know, mm -hmm. as a band, and uh, um, but also just the, just how fucking cool they were. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. I still have a, a poster that I hung up in my room. Like it's like in the it's where I keep all like the cases for the guitars and stuff, and I I still hang it up. Um, so they were they're definitely a big influence, and in fact, when we made um, uh, the hotbed. Um, we, um, w which wasn't a conscious decision in the sense that we weren't recalling it, that, that, that sort of came, the name came after um, the songs were recorded. In fact, we didn't know we were making a record. I think it was more, we just carved out um, dates to record. Um, but uh, I was listening to The Clash a lot, uh, Combat Rock in particular, and, uh, and uh, Tom Waits' Bone Machine, I think was a, another album I was listening to quite a bit, um, uh, and a lot of jazz. Um, and uh, a lot of blues too. Um, yeah. But um, I had sort of had like a, a, um, a renaissance uh, of like uh, the Delta blues a lot too. Um, so, um, but I, but uh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, uh, all of it kind of carries with you. Um, uh, it's sometimes you're surprised at what, what uh, comes out you know, with your fingers, mm -hmm. you know, you know, what your voice does. Um, 
uh, and you're like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't know that, you know, it, it's all, it's all pretty beautiful in the way it, uh, it sticks to your soul. So like, so I guess we're making this album. So you're saying it wasn't like kind of unplanned. Um, so like, how, how what would you like kind of going in with it? You kind of just want to just record just a, a few batch of songs and then you kind of kept recording and it made itself into an album. Yeah. Well, so it, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a long story. Um, but you're uh, here to tell it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so we, uh, I was in a band called hotbed mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and uh, I guess La Memoria is, um, uh, is essentially still hotbed. We just, I, um, and I'll get to why I changed the name maybe in a little bit, but to just let's start at, we were a band hotbed and, um, that band sort of formed from my college band, um, uh, called giants and toys. Um, and so, and giants and toys cut their teeth in Montevallo and, uh, eventually we started playing shows in Birmingham. Uh, and then, uh, when we moved, we all sort of moved to Birmingham. We sort of became hotbed. And I think at that point we also were all, I guess, really serious about being in a band. Yeah. So we, we wanted to make sort of a, I guess, kind of like, a um, aesthetic sort of, uh, cut off from like who we were in college and like just to be something to allow ourselves to be maybe more expansive in our sound and um but also the people who are in the band um uh john vance and jack um and myself um were all eventually intent on like we wanted to attempt to do it for a living and so we all sort of made behavioral changes and like up in like we planned for probably I mean more than nine months but um we all eventually like quit our jobs and um sort of like endeavored in um like touring full-time and uh and we did that for a year and a half and uh we we never dipped in the red but we never made enough to like pay ourselves um so whenever we would come off the road we were just we were just breaking our backs just hustling just to make rent you know yeah and uh, and so I think after a year and a half of that, I mean, pretty quickly once we started touring um, and the, it wasn't acrimonious, but but John left um, uh, and he, he finished the tours that we had already booked. But after those tours, you know, he was going to be gone. So we spent um, and this we that started in 2017. And then we um, that by that fall, you know, we had turned into a three piece. So we had to spend sort of the winter kind of figuring out what we wanted to do. And, uh, and then I think honestly, in a lot of ways, uh, musically for me, that challenged me because, um, you know, we had built this band off of like two guitars and, and then I was left to sort of do fill that role. Yeah, absolutely. And, and luckily John, the way he played, um, he, um, he wasn't a, he was, his phrasing and his, um, um, use of space was, 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 was a real gift. Um, you know, when I really, cause I had to listen to our record, Heartbeat Strange, um, to, I, I had to essentially learn his parts. You know what I mean? Like I heard him play. I mean, we got in a room for four months and like wrote that record, um, and uh, so, like, I knew his parts by ear, but I, I didn't, I didn't know how to actually do them. And so that was a challenge for me. And luckily, he was playing when I wasn't singing mainly. So, um, so it, it was. Uh, so we, you know, spent the winter kind of redefining our sound um, as uh, as a three piece, and uh, did another tour. 
in the summer. And I think just after like a year and a half, we decided that we needed to like kind of um, make a change. And so we, we stopped touring um, in that manner. And uh, so I think we were a bit disillusioned and uh, um, because we had, uh, you know, we had, I mean, we had, did, we did well. We, it wasn't a failure, but it, it, it's hard not for it to feel like a failure. Uh, and, uh, and so we, you know, we just started working and uh, we occasionally played shows. Um, and so we stopped playing as much because um, we all had to kind of like figure out what we were all doing. I, I, I was working at a library. In fact, I had just got done doing library school in the night, like quit my job and went on the road. Um, and so I got a job back at the library I worked at and uh, Vance started canning uh, um, beers. Uh, he would go to different breweries and they would can different beers. So he got a job traveling. And so he was traveling a lot for a year. And Jack um, works um, at, um, uh, it's like a, a mom and pop, like a, essentially like a Kinko's, you know, like a paper kind of place. Uh, Jack's going to hate me for d- making the, the, the lazy connection but he's like that's not yeah, kinkos it's, it's, like, it's a local it's a local business so it's uh it's more better um but um yeah so he he kind of took uh more like, like a leadership role like working at his his mom's uh business so he he really got into like essentially like running a business and so um we uh you know life kind of went on and we 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 would get asked to do shows and so we would do them and uh people it was uh, you know i think started kind of you know, i don't know it was funny i think it felt i don't think it really was but um it felt like people didn't realize who we were until after we had spent a year and a half yeah. worrying yeah uh and so but we started playing more shows and we're like well we definitely like doing this but i think the motivation to like feel or be a band uh was sort of elusive and uh and so i think I well, Jack and I, I think in the meantime, to kind of, I think, feel still, to still feel connected to the scene, started running sound. Because Vance eventually started working at uh, Ghost Train Brewery. He's actually the head brewer there now. And so he kind of like fell into like his, what, I mean, he's been trying to brew beer since we were like starting a band. So he's been trying to brew beer for like over 10 years. Um, so he's been doing it just as long as, as being in a band. So he, he, um, he really um, has been um, wonderfully busy over there at Ghost Train. And, uh, and Jack and I, for a while, um, uh, started running sound. And it wasn't a deliberate decision, like, this is what we do now. But, um, but it, I think it just allowed us time to kind of process what had happened to us. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was also, when we got paid. We got paid better running sound than we did. <laughs> And so the uh, you know it wasn't nothing to sneeze at you know it was still it was still fun, uh, and uh, and I think we empowered ourselves once we started running sound and um, we started getting more important gigs, um, and uh, and so I mean I think some people around town might know me as a sound guy, not as a musician, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, mean, I was we've been doing it for two and a half years. Um, as long as it essentially is it took to, and I say it takes three years, it took three years to make this record. Um, 
I mean, that's sort of from the time that we came off the road. I, I, you know, I think the way I process like trauma and uh, just life things, you know, my experience is usually um, songwriting is a coping mechanism. Uh, and uh, not that I don't write songs about other things, but, uh, but, you know, I started like writing these, these songs that were kind of, you know, so I had these batch of songs and I started running sound and then I started making a little money and I was like, okay. And, and I'm getting, I, my ears started getting better, you know, like running sound. I wasn't my music that I was worried about. I was just worried about what people were doing. And um, I think the nature of running sound, um, you know, um, I, I just, just the whole notion of, I guess, um, sound sort of became a little demystified, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, gave myself some agency, you know, to understand, uh, like my self-worth. And, uh, and I think eventually we came to this, um, not a decision. I, my wife and I bought a house. Uh, and so I, after I sort of like moved in, I was, I was working part-time at the library. And so I sort of painted and we redid the floors and, um, and after I got doing, done doing that, I was like, I have this, basement and that's where i kept all my music stuff but yeah. it, it was uh it was like a workshop i mean um i can turn the camera so you can see it but like right here um that's a base isolation cabinet under the stairs oh. and he, he'd used it as like a, a sawmill <laughs> <laughs> so we had to like i mean we did a crazy amount of work to the space but again i think we just did it because i had always wanted to have a space you know, to where I could fully kind of like express myself and not have to worry about like a neighbor, you know, I, I could, I could uh, sound treat it in here. So where I'm not like annoying my neighbors and, and I can do things to make the room actually sound good. And I think we did it not really consciously to make a record, but it was just something that we've always wanted. I mean, who doesn't want a space where they can kind of like actualize, you know, the things they care about. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think painters probably like to have a nice room. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, maybe that's a bad example, but but I think you get. And so we started building a studio, and it all kind of was in tandem. You know, we were kind of off the road a couple years at that point. We were we were kind of, uh, you know, the band we were playing more, and we were enjoying it, and and it got to a point where I think we were maybe as a band tired of playing those songs and we wanted to, you know, cause they, they were from a band that was a four piece and not a three piece and our three piece sound was um, just different. It just, um, you know, we, we really found ourselves as a three piece in a lot of ways. And, um, and so we wanted to have some music and we had new songs, you know, that we were playing live a couple ones. Uh, I think scraping by was a single we put out and that was a, a kind of like a good of what our three-piece sound was and uh and so we you know we had a desire to, to to record some new music but i think we you know i had how to say this wanted to i guess do it on my terms and yeah. uh and take my time and and not um not sort of because I, I think i mean i you know i've obsessed about music most of my life and so you know you read about uh, other musicians and and uh seems like a lot of uh 
great musicians just have afforded themselves time in the studio to work things out. So, you know, um, or, or even basements. I remember reading a book about Howlin' Wolf and Hubert Sumlin talked about how, man, they just sat in his basement and like sat across from each other and just kind of worked out the songs, you know what I mean? Which, so it's, it's not like rocket science, but it's something about having a dedicated space. So that felt really important, I think, to me to have like a dedicated space to, um, to my music. And, uh, and so I think we kind of finished it and, uh, yeah, we, we eventually, um, decided, okay, let's just, I, I had had some money for making sound and so did Jack and we carved out, um, a couple weekends. We ended up, I ended up becoming really close friends with, uh, um, uh, a wonderful person, uh, Emmanuel Elinus. He's um, he's probably most well known for um, the the pedals that he made, um, and so uh, Satori Sonics was the name. And so he he uh, he uh, the wonder I use actually his delay I uh, <laughs> is heard all over our record, um, but uh, it's the first pedal he ever made too, um, and I was so overjoyed to to use it but um so i was a fan of his pedals and i knew him from when we would play he would uh when i first met him he was the sound engineer uh when we were, would play the nick mm-hmm. uh, and uh and so i knew him and then from running sound i ended up knowing him more uh and uh, uh and he he was really great because he i would if i had questions he would just totally answer them and uh he, I wouldn't feel small, you know, yeah. um, he, 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 he also kind of seemed to be on my wavelength. Uh, he seemed to kind of, I would describe things and he would understand them in, in and in a, in a maybe a more natural way than I had encountered with like other uh, engineers. Cause he, uh, he, he was an engineer. He, uh, he actually engineered a, a um, there's a great record um, by Luxy, a band that's no longer uh, plays, um, and, um, and he, I, he did that record and I knew they did it to tape. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, um, so I, I, was, I was a fan of, uh, I knew him from him making records too. And, uh, but I also just kind of knew him as, as a friend. And, uh, and so I started talking to him about like, hey, uh, Maybe you'd be interested in, uh, I think Jack and I realized we definitely didn't want to, because we had tried, uh, we did a, there's a, uh, it goes on. We did it for a Sidewalk Film Festival where we recorded a song uh, by ourselves, and he and Emmanuel actually mastered it. Um, and uh, we did that really just to do it, you know, to see, hey, let's see if we can make this on our own. And I think we, I mean, the song sounds good. I, I'm proud of that of that record. But, um, but we knew, I think, um, you know, it's a laborious task to engineer music. It's, yeah. it's not, it, I don't, I mean, I think as long as you have a good ear and you understand the equipment you're using, you can, um, you can achieve what you want or up to the limitations of the things that you have, you know? Um, but, um, but we, we were limited in the resources we had and um, given the equipment we were using. So we knew that we, probably needed more professional equipment and stuff like that. And we knew we couldn't afford, um, we just built a studio and we knew we couldn't afford like going to a studio. We contemplated it and we realized that we weren't willing to sacrifice the, the time that we wanted. 
And so I, I started talking to Emmanuel about like, hey, what do you think the best way to like, what, what do you, like, really just trying to figure out almost like a desert island sort of, what is the bare bones that do you think we need to like make a record in there? And, and eventually of the, the natural sort of conversation was, okay, uh, Emmanuel, why don't you come engineer the record? And, uh, and he um, just come into this tape machine and it was just specced by like this dude up in Nashville who like works on tape machines. And so this thing was like, it was, you know, it was a vintage tape machine. I can't remember. It was, I could, I probably still have the manual somewhere in here somewhere. Cause I had to, I have to give it back to him. Uh, and I can't for the life of me remember the model, but um, uh, yeah, we, he had this like refurbished tape machine and, uh, and I had always wanted to, to do something to tape. And so um we we carved out two weekends it was like uh two five days i think it was like we yeah we took off friday and monday and so it was like friday saturday sunday monday it's a four day four day weekend yeah and uh and uh although i think emmanuel and i did a couple days um just me and him uh well no that was later in the fall so the way the record was actually made you know a long story to, to this point but you know, after a couple of years, you know, we, we ended up kind of befriending Emmanuel and he, um, he, he, he also was kind of, uh, he's the fourth member of the band really. Um, you know, uh, if, 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 if La Memoria is a three piece, um, sort of based in the songwriting of, of, of my songwriting, you know, um, I think once we started working with Emmanuel, he, uh, he really, uh, yeah, he's like the, the fourth member of the band. So, um, so we spent, uh, that would have been August, the, the last weekend in July, 2019. And then the first weekend uh, of August, 2019, those, those, this carved out those weekends. And, um, it, we didn't know what we were going to get. I just had like know, 15, 20 songs, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and the, I guess, I mean, I've been playing with Jack and Vance for, to get some water. Uh, I've been playing with Jack and Vance for 10, 10 years. And so they, they, they know every trick that I'm going to do. Uh, and uh, they, they sort of understand sort of like um, this. I mean, we can, we can work out arrangements pretty fast. Um, I mean, it takes time, it's, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I guess we kind of understand each other. I think we've all put in our 10,000 hours together, you know, over the yeah. last, you know, uh, 10 years. And so they just, I guess, understand me. Um, and so I think we didn't intend to record as many as we did. I just had, you know, a batch of songs that were all done. And, uh, and I had had them arranged really as really just me because the way our, our sort of lives were at that point and still are, um, you know, we all have to, you know, we all got rent to pay and, uh, you know, bills to pay. And, and so, um, you know, our lives are a little busier. So, um, you know, um, I would, um, a lot of times what I would do is I would end up uh, getting all hyped up. You know, I'd have like eight cups of coffee and I would just like make like a demo where I would, I would do all the parts and I would do it in like one day. Mm -hmm. you know? And it was real sloppy. I, it, you know, it was, it was more to catch a vibe, not to, um, 
sort of make a, a, a passable sort of, I'm going to release this. And so, yeah, so I would send them those. And so they would understand kind of where, where I was going and they could listen to it and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, they would, you know, they'd be sort of, I guess, uh, lubed up, you know, for kind yeah. of what I was trying to, trying to go for. And, um, those four, those two day, those two four day weekends, we, we just, it was, it was laid back in a lot of ways. We weren't really pushing to like finish, like oh, we got to get this, this and this. It was really, I think we all wanted, it was honestly, it felt like a vacation except, you know, um, and I hate the tourism, like, you know, if, if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work, but I mean, we, we were really working, but it, it was, it was a pure joy. I mean, we, we sort of, I think by the end of those two day weekends, we had tracked 12 songs and, um, and we tracked the drums, the guitar, um, certain songs where the Wurlitzer was there, like Road Unknown and, uh, let's see, um, All Year, um, those were cut to tape, um, and then you know the bass so essentially like the rhythm section was all sort of cut live um and then we spent the fall kind of when we when we could find time because jack lived we jack and i live close and he would uh it'd just be like tuesdays and thursdays he'd come over and uh we would do uh, some leads overdubs on leads and synths and stuff and uh percussion and then um, uh, we would, again, it was just, we wanted to afford ourselves the time to kind of, uh, to find, to, to explore, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the stupidest thing we ever did, we got real deep into finding sounds. Mm. Uh, we have this um, concert drum, this concert bass drum, that, uh, uh, and it's, so it's real big and resonant. And we got, uh, we spent probably a good 30 minutes finding the right thing that, to rattle on it to make it sound like a rain. <laughs> <laughs> and so we end up being popcorn kernels oh and that's that's a good one we spent all night you know um finding popcorn kernels i think you can hear it in the first like little three seconds of uh ease in uh, on the record <laughs> so you know we like we got in the weeds a bit um but uh i think that fall was was really um because we were real busy so some some nights it was like homework and then some nights I was like, let's just fuck around and see what we can get. So it was, yeah. a, it was a healthy mix of like, no, we're trying to go for this. And then, you know, we did a lot of, um, not a lot, but um, I, I, I sort of, um, I think the beauty about what we ended up doing is recording to tape, you're forced to make decisions. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, argue, I'm not going to argue about like the aesthetic quality of like what it's like to record a tape as opposed to digital or anything. But, you know, the cool thing about tape is that you're limited, you, you know, whereas if you're working digitally, you can have an infinite number of inputs. Um, where, you know, we were recording on a 16 track tape machine. So we had 16 inputs. So we had to make choices as to like what was going to be heard. And so um, I kind of carried that philosophy into the overdubs, even though we were recording digitally um, and we could put an infinite number and some songs have a lot of layers. Um, it really was sort of like, I, I, uh, you know, we wanted to keep it as if like mentally we were recording the tape. And so um, um, 
we yeah we sent the fall recording that and then uh i overdubbed all the vocals except for maybe one song um that was cut that the la memoria the song itself was was is a live take um so that's that's completely live there's no overdubs or anything but um yeah we I did uh, manual came in we recorded the vocals um in logic and I did it in my living room and we spent uh, two weekends. We did like two. I, uh, cause I, I think I was like, when we were recording, I was like drinking coffee and, you know, uh, not being maybe the most healthy in terms of like what my vocals vocal were. quality. Yeah. yeah. And then in the fall, I, I, I like ran and, you know, leading up to the thing, I tried like to cut certain things out of my diet. I don't, I don't know how much it affected it. Um, for me, but uh, I, I I did like try to work at like I'm gonna cut vocals this weekend, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so um, yeah, so I, I ended up like doing that, and we did them quick. Um, and uh, and then it's all sort of weird because it feels like a dream. It really wasn't that long ago, but this pandemic makes everything feel like like a daze. Um, yeah, and then we we did we mixed the record. Um, a whole, we did a whole pass. We did the mix of the record. It was at Emmanuel's work. And um, uh, he, he works at a school. Um, uh, he essentially is like uh, Jack Black. Yeah, and, in School of Rock. Yeah, he's a contemporary uh, um, ensemble music director. I don't know the director, but he's the contemporary ensemble musical instructor. Um, and so, um, so we, 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 we ended up mixing uh, the record in his office just because it was the best thing for everybody. And it was good. I liked the first mix, but I think we, we all were like, we could do better. And so then we ended up mixing the record in my basement. So we came back into the basement and just kind of um, made the vibe a little different since we weren't like tracking anything. Uh, and so we mixed the record uh, in January of 2020 and then uh, got it kind of mixed in january mastered the album and um uh, yeah not long after that because i think by the time we had mixed it the second time we were like hey we got to get this thing mastered we want to i mean at that point i mean i guess the world was thinking about corona but the united states wasn't and so yeah so gonna get out yeah and so um anyway jason uh mastered it and and i think uh then i mean the shit hit the fan for all of us so i think we kind of uh sort of sat on it uh because we had, you know, we sort of just had to pivot. And, uh, and I think, I think a lot of that we do, we, we really wanted to release it this year, whether we could play shows or not. Cause I think a lot of the, the songs that I wrote were very poignant and of the time. Um, even, even though I recorded them before 2020, I think, you know, a lot of these subjects matters are still, uh, you know, uh, 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 salient, you know, no matter the year. So um, we were like, we want to release it this year. So we're we're uh, we'll have CDs um, made too, but uh, but yeah, it'll be released digitally on the twenty third. I think what I really like about this album a lot is, um, I think sometimes with kind of you know home studio albums, sometimes it can have a, a I guess a risk of sounding like really intimate, you know, kind of like because it's in kind of a certain space. But I think with this album, it really sounds big and like uh, I was listening to it and you sent it to me. It really sounds like a journey of like it's just like a like a, a trek of some sort you know yeah I, you know i i i'm a punk 
uh, I'm a punk ass, and I think I, I, in my teenage years, I think I scoffed at the idea of like a concept album. Yeah. Um, and I think what ended up happening because of the nature in which how we recorded it, you know, the those weekends where we cut it to tape was very immediate. It was it was more doing and less thinking. You know, it was sort of using your instincts. And it really felt raw and visceral and live. And that, like a lot of my favorite records live, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, you know, we kept imperfections and all mainly when, on those live takes. Like that take feels good. Oh, you hit the mic on like that take right there. Uh, don't worry about it, man. Keep it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, really we can edit it out if we really want to. Uh, but usually we don't. And, uh, and, and then all those overdubs was the sort of like, we're, we're, we're in, we're in the studio, we're taking our time. Working on it really hard. <laughs> you know, uh, and that was more our, our sort of laborious sort of exploratory phase. So we kind of gave ourselves, I think, the pressure and the, 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 the luxury of time. And, uh, because we did want to make a record that sounded like we wanted it to. We wanted to make a record that sounded that could swing with the big boys and girls, and um, you know, we 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 knew that we could achieve a professional sound. We just knew that it was going to take time, and so you know, we. That's why it probably took longer than I mean. I don't know. I mean, I don't know really what it takes to make professional records because I've never made. You know, I, I, we don't have label support or anything like that. It's all DIY. But, you know, that's the lovely thing about Emmanuel is he's made professional records and he's mixed professional records. And he know. I mean, he's been in, you know, um, the, the industry broadly. I mean, he made drums for 12 years. You know what I mean? Like, like he toured with uh, Taj Mahal for a summer mm. you know, as a percussion player. I mean, dude knows how to play, make, record. I mean, I, the mics I use to record my vocals, he made those mics. That's dope. Yeah, so he literally made those mics. Um, they're just like uh, clones of, uh, I think, of, uh, of uh, like really nice mics, you know, um, uh, some sort of Neumann, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, I'm less hip to the lingo of like engineering. Uh, but um, so like, you know, we kind of like, yeah, I think part of our, we all kind of had a chip on our shoulder a little bit, to be honest. We were like, you know what? Let's fucking make this record in our basement and just stunt on everybody. Body and sound, good yeah. it sounds. <laughs> yeah, like we just wanted to like, and just for ourselves, it was a personal goal. It wasn't vindictive. It was just like, no, we we want to take our time. I mean, that's why we mixed it twice because we could have just, like the other mixes were passable. We were like, we could do better. So we did. We tried it again and... Uh, and there's still things I would like to change, but that's the nature of, I mean, that's, I think the beauty, I think you just got to let things go. So, you know, I think it was a mixture of like trying to be in the moment, also like really trying to, um, to capture and articulate a sound. You know, I guess the one thing I guess you were talking about earlier was that I guess the versus home recording versus studio recording was that studio recording because you're kind of, you're limited to the time you're there. And depending on, you know, how many hours you get, you kind of have to just really settle for the recording. Whereas home recording, you have all the time in the world. You can experiment. As you said, you get to get in the weeds of, you know, the sounds and really make a sound that you were just looking for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a big part of it was Emmanuel had a studio essentially in his basement or his garage so he brought his equipment, you know, when we tracked and then he left over the fall, he left um, his good preamps and, you know, his um, other outboard gear. And so we had his equipment essentially on lease 
Um, and so we were able to sit with like this professional gear, like more than we needed, um, more than we needed, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and so we, we had options and, and, um, and that allowed us to kind of, yeah, to, 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 um, to really, really buff out sounds that we wanted. And, um, uh, I lost my train of thought, but, um, no, yeah, we really, we really wanted, um, to, to make a professional record. And, and so part of that is like, you know, you do need to have professional equipment, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think, I think the beauty um, about uh, the relationship we have with Emmanuel is he was like, dude, you don't know how to get in there. I mean, like we had run sound enough, you know? Um, I mean, there are, there are nuances to, to recording um, live and, and recording this. If you can do one, you can do the other. You know, you, you really, if you can run sound live, a lot of that is the same setup for recording in a studio. So, you know, we, Jack and I had the confidence of where to put a mic and, you know, um, how to gain stage and, you know, how to do, to do the things that you need to do to achieve a sound. You know, we, we sometimes had to do it again and, and, and do it a third time. But, um, you know, we, but that's the grace of having a studio, you know, in your basement, you, you afford yourself the, all those do-overs if, if it's, if it's necessary. Yeah. Do you, would you say, do you know kind of your, I guess, you know, every song you, on the album you kind of have personal connection to, but do you have like a favorite song in the album? Do you think? I think Pablo Pachuco probably um, encapsulates like the essence of who, of me as a songwriter. Um, just because musically it's like, it's very me. And, um, and, um, lyrically, I, I, I mean, I appreciate, I mean, essentially what I'm trying to say is like, I'm my own, I'm not who society uh, thinks I am. I'm not who like, like faceless, countless numbers of people who have, who've actually, you know, since that Narco show came out. Yeah. You know, like it's funny. And then after, you know, the millionth time it, it gets a little old and then all the rhetoric that happened with Trump, you know, calling Mexicans rapists and murderers, mm-hmm. you sort of, you, it becomes insidious whether someone intends it to be or not, you know what I mean? So I started getting vibed out when people would equate me to uh, this, this drug drug lord. from yeah, yeah, you know was... I mean? It's not a compliment, bro. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, do you know any, just because I'm fucking Brown and have a mustache, like, I damn, I got a scar on my mustache similar to Cheech Marin. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not Pablo Escobar. <laughs> yeah, there are way cooler brown dudes that you can compare me to. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's not like, it doesn't make me terribly like destructive. You, know, you get a little wiped out. And so I, I, I sort, of, sort of self-reflecting on like my life and how people put you in a box based on the color of your skin and um and uh whether they even realize they're doing it or not and so that song is really sort of articulating like hey if you're my friend you got to pick up on cues you got to understand the things that that make me tick otherwise maybe we're not friends yeah you know? and that, that, mm-hmm. that's what that song is about it's just sort of like this is who i am. take it or leave it you know what i mean because this is, is i'm beautiful so um uh that song i think is real near to my heart but i mean there's there's i mean i that way about i could talk about each song about in a similar way um i mean we named the band la memoria because that song i think was what i kind of 
just uh, represents also, again, a part of me personally. And uh, actually, I have a ghost story about that song. Oh, really? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we mainly, like, um, when we tracked all those, those, those four-day weekends, we got, we started up at 10. Um, I mean, we were up and there probably at 8.30, you know, um, or, uh, but we really got, it was like 10 to 6. We sort of had like an eight-hour day. Sometimes we go 10 hours a little later, but there was only one night that we went till, I think we ended up going till three in the morning. Mm. And it was the only night that we ended up like being there just all day. And because um, we, I guess I just felt it. And um, it was, it was cut live. Um, uh, like as in, it was just us in the room. I, in fact, the guitar and the vocal is the same mic. Um, so it's not, uh, it's really, it was simple. It was the middle of the night. There's, um, the, the sort of, um, uh, there's a tambura, which is like an Indian, um, uh, it's, it, it, it's an actual musical instrument. We use a digital one, but it's sort of, uh, it creates sort of a melodic drone. And, uh, we had it set up in the living room that I, I ran, uh, I drilled through my AC vent so I could run like xlrs throughout the house to make mm-hmm. like rooms to record in so we just had it in the room upstairs and we finished cutting that song and we were all just sort of kind of I, a little like loopy because it was like three thirty in the morning yeah. you know and when we had spent we had been there since 10 and uh and so we're sitting there talking we all felt really good about that song um um and uh, and just like the work we had been doing, we were just chattering away because you kind of ramble. I have the ten- tendency to gab, and so does Emmanuel. So me and him are just we're just gabbing. Yeah. And um, so this tambura, it's digital, like I was saying. Um, and so it's a set it and forget it thing, and it had been droning for over three hours. I mean, we when we cut that song, I think we just cut it in the living room and it was on for the whole time we tracked that song. And, uh, and so you just kind of got used to it as this like noise. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was in the key of G and anyway, we're talking and there's no one else in the house. Lydia left. Um, she left the house. She went and did friends and stuff on those. We could just kind of be like as loud as we wanted and go as yeah. late as we wanted. Um, and uh, even though we only went late one night, and uh, anyway, and I say this because there was no one else in the house. We're all downstairs and the machine shifts keys. That's crazy. And it went a half step up and we all shit our pants. <laughs> and emotionally, uh, and, and maybe literally. Um, but uh, I, uh, I think Amanda goes, hey, man, you need somebody to go up there with you to check on us? <laughs> We should, all, we should all go up there and so they, we all went up there and I think we all grabbed and we were all ready to fight yeah um, because this thing it's not like a, a button that's easily like moved to this the, the, that particular machine it was buttons that you leave like just real hard it's like a metal it, it's, it was a hard button to press suffice to say and it somebody wanted us to wrap it up yeah, I was like, you guys, three morning, let's get it going. <laughs> yeah, there might be some spirits in my house. So, um, so, uh, uh, and I think they were ready for, they were done with the tambora. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, but yeah, there's, I, 
I don't know if there's any songs that stuck out to you, but yeah, I mean, they're all, they're all, I could, I mean, some of them are like personal songs and some of them are more like, um, I was trying to, I was trying to say, you know, it was like uh, intentional. And so, um, so it's a kind of a mixture of like personal and, and I guess uh, political. And sometimes the personal is political in the case of like Pablo Pachuco, you know, um, but um, yeah, um, that kind of really, being, a, I guess, like a con conceptual record, especially when we were doing the overdubs, I think we found ourselves finding like a glue. Uh, like we had like the, the raw tracks, which sound very much like the record. In fact, some of them don't have very many overdubs at all. But um, but some of them, like Road Unknown, became like this world, you know. And um, and uh, uh, getting older, um, you know, is another one that kind of sends you to face. And, uh, and I, I definitely think, uh, event, especially when we mixed it, you know, when, when then we mix it, cause when we mix it, like Emmanuel was mixing, he did sort of like, I mean, he, he, he really got us there, but, um, but I mean, Jack and I also like would tweak things and a lot of the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the effects that you can hear, like the delays and the reverbs, like I also, I set, you know what I mean? And, 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 and all those things. So a lot of those decisions were left to us. And I think we, really got our hands kind of in the paint you yeah. know we were moving the canvas a certain way and and i think i don't know if it was intentional but it i think i made a concept record <laughs> 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 so, so i'm beating myself like myself up at the beginning of that long story because i don't think my teenage self would have liked that but, but i i guess I made a, a, a slightly conceptual record yeah <laughs> but, yeah no. You think the next record, because you made a concept record, the next you make, you'll be thinking of a concept, but it'll just be like a kind of a straightforward just album. <laughs> I kid you not, man. I'm, well, yeah. Uh, you, you, it's funny. I'm also like, because <laughs> I've been sitting in my basement alone, you know, and like I, I can definitely demo and I can go like to Tame Impala and like, you know, just stack, you know, and I, yeah. and I have a couple songs that. I've been doing that where it's like a full band, but it's like I'm playing everything. Um, but I also have been just really playing the, the guitar, uh, acoustic guitar a lot. And like, um, I'm like, I, pro I don't know if it'll be to release or anything, but I'm gonna like record a bunch of just like guitar, like one mic, you know, like- Solo performance kind of styled. Blue stuff, yeah, just like, um, cause, so this year has made me feel, but um, uh, no, it'll probably be more stripped down. Honestly, yeah, it, it, it um, uh, that that would be funny. Although I don't know, so part of me also wants to make like uh, like some some more hip hop songs, um, and uh, so, so there's a little bit of that too. Um, who knows? I don't know. Um, with the the, the the new the new stuff, I am making songs right now. I can't help but you know write. Um, so yeah, I got some stuff that I've been with, but. Uh, but I guess what my brain always does is like I finish one thing and then I'm trying to like figure out how to record right now, you know. So so um amidst this this chaos, but I'm also yeah I'm definitely writing new stuff, <laughs> little demos, yeah. Um, so what have you been listening to kind of recently? Um, let's see. Um. A lot of um, there's a band called Azteca. Um, oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, 
so uh, Sheila Escovito um, or Sheila E. Uh, mm-hmm. Prince and uh, anyway, I, the big reason why I know her is I started uh, teaching myself drums with her master class. <laughs> <laughs> Did a glamorous life. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, um, uh, I'll give you the password if you want it. Don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll come and get me, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, no, um, no, but uh, but you know, um, her her dad was um, the uh, he, he played with Santana and and, um, and he he had this band called Azteca and and they they I mean they toured and opened up for like Stevie Wonder and like I mean they they they, they those first did two records and that that first record I know really well I've just been like I did flower deliveries over the summer and I would just be like a lot of a lot of a lot of percussion um mm-hmm. so I've I've, uh, I've been getting into a lot of like Latin percussion um and uh but then uh a lot of jazz a lot of jazz I've been trying to work through the Sun Ra discography uh because I, I live in Birmingham native like, you know yeah. Yeah, I'm like, and it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, and uh, but a lot of blues, I think. Uh, and I did a lot. I was really steeped in the blues during the overdub process for De Hotbed, and it, and it, and it kind of has continued. I think I had a fascination with um, Howlin' Wolf um, before, during, and after making this record. But um, uh, I mean, vocally, he's I think just formidable in the sense of like how. In, indelible mark he left on on other artists you know what i mean i think you know and then and then i started like uh and, and hubert someone's guitar playing and and uh i was fascinated with and then i was like well who taught Helen? and and then you know i learned uh charlie Patton, you know uh taught Helen how to play and so i kind of got obsessed with like sort of charlie Patton for a bit and uh i think it resonated with me that he was also like um native american yeah. And so you know that, that that he was mixed, and I was like, oh, uh, it, you know, I think in these times it did it did resonate with me, and so I kind of uh, I I sort of like definitely enveloped myself in just playing playing guitar because I mean all those like there's a reason all of the British dudes were listening to it, and I mean you know what I mean you hear it in their records and stuff, and and it's, I don't know if it was a I mean, it, it was and it wasn't a conscious decision to kind of just steep myself in in sort of the Delta Blues, but um, but I mean, I I, I like uh, Jesse May Hemphill, all that Benettonia stuff, um, uh, I, I, all that. It's like like it sounds like a trance, like it just it's like kind of gets you in this sort of like head spinning, you know, and you get like that those those one chord vamp kind of blues songs, um, and so. Um, so a lot of a lot of the rhythms in that, um, but uh, I think I secretly want to also start a jazz band. But <laughs> do a jazz trio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably with AP. But hey, AP, what's up? Uh, but uh, uh, just get him on bass, and then I'll just, I'll just go <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, um, sorry, where where were we we're going? Um, I mean, my my influences run the gambit. I think, uh, like, bands that, like, I think, I mean, like, in college, you know, the, those influences kind of always hang with you. So, like, I listened, I was a huge Killers fan. Um, Kings of Leon was, I mean, I saw them, like, I've seen them, like, eight or nine times. I think I saw them, like, every year live for 
like eight or nine years, you know, or something like that. You know, what I mean? that's crazy. Like, um, and so, you know, um, so there, I mean, there's some bands that I don't listen to as much now, but like are still with me, you know? Yeah. Um, I can't ever seem to shake Tom Petty, um, out of my bones, but, um, uh, I think, um, but, uh, uh, no, yeah. Um, I, hmm. Yeah, I, I've been I've been real fast. I'm trying to think. Uh, Barry Sanders, he he's uh, I've been listening to I listened to him a lot while uh, while we were making the record. Um, who else have I been? I mean, Miles Davis. I've started to, to listen to more to to to, to his catalog and um, um, like which albums? Um, I I started honestly with the, what's the um working like the one with uh, uh it never entered my mind because mm-hmm. that's so beautiful uh and then um uh i've uh i really got uh, uh i mean i i never really give uh i, I watched that documentary it's that documentary that um, about miles davis uh, yeah yeah it was on him and so some kind of blue and and uh uh, and I listen. I, and I was like, I need to listen to that record start to finish. So I, I did it a couple times, and then I did the same thing with, with um, John Coltrane with uh, what's his big record? Um, Giant Steps or uh, Love Supreme? Love Supreme, yeah. yeah. Like, well, it's like I sat in front of like the speakers that we made the record. Nice <laughs> speakers, you know. Like, if I really want to like go listen to music, I go downstairs. And I listen. I remember. I think sometime during the pandemic, I just like closed my eyes and listened to a Love Supreme like start to finish um but um yeah i think i've um uh uh tutti uh uh what the the record he did zombie ah uh, uh, yeah afrobeat a lot of afrobeat stuff i've been mm-hmm. really into um and uh and that's the stuff recently that i've just kind of been getting into um and uh I don't know, I'm probably missing. Ooh, there's a band called Babla Buzz. Um, of uh, I'm mispronouncing it, um, but um, they're based out of uh, France. But she sings in. Um, I'm 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 not even gonna say because I would have to look it up. But she sings in, she sings in her native language, and it's uh, it's really beautiful. It's like uh, I think they they call it like Nawa blues, but it's um it's sort of like it. it I'm going to look it up. It won't take me long because I listened to this record probably like 20 times in the last two months. So it's on my like heavily paid. Yeah, the kind of rotation. Yeah, here it is. Uh, it's an African Moroccan woman. So, That's cool. And it's like, so it's like, but it sounds like, it sounds like, it sounds wild. That, that record's called um, um, uh, uh, Nadia. Uh, uh, Neda, um, I'll send you a link. It, it's wild. It sounds it sounds familiar and different all at the same time because it's mm-hmm. a lot of, it's a lot of melodies that I mean I mean that that we're so familiar with, but like you know steeped in sort of um, like the, these Moroccan African rhythms. Rhythms, yeah. And it's uh, it's really beautiful. Um, another ooh, really big uh, Taj Mahal is a huge one for me. Um, and uh, I'm just going to do it because in my brain, I think can't remember too many things. Uh, I want to give a shout out to um, well, Ari Lennox. Yeah, I had to listen to her a lot. 
I'm just gonna go down the thing. It's gonna happen. Uh, playlist. Here we go. Omao Sangre. <laughs> Her um, is uh, all those um, M- Malian uh, African rhythms, uh, and so, and and uh, there's a record that she did a couple years ago that's like like fully electric that my friend Isidro uh, uh, turned me on to. And it's wild. Um, so I've been listening, I've been trying to, I'm not trying, I think it's just been an interest of mine, like listening to music, like in different languages. Yeah. Um, a language that aren't my own. Uh, that's, that's, especially when I'm like doing tasks and stuff, you can kind of like, you know, you're not fixated on, on the lyrics and stuff, mm. but a lot of those rhythms have been, um, have just, have, have been influencing me a lot. So I'm sure that'll seep out into the whatever new songs that I make. Nice. Well, Mike, I really want to thank you for coming on this. Um, really excited to hear the album. I've heard it, but you know, when when can they expect it? Yeah, it'll be coming out October 23rd, um, and uh, I hope y'all listen to it and uh, tell your friends. And I really appreciate. It. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, and. Uh, I'm sure I'll see you at a social distance sometime. <laughs> yeah, we'll see each other. Yeah. Uh, but, man, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank La Maria for being on today's podcast. His new album, The Hotbed, is coming out October 23rd. You can find it on all stream platforms. You guys have a great one, and I'll see you on Friday. <laughs>